Hi, my name is Gunnar Froh and I'm your host on the Wonder Mobility Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Wonder Mobility Podcast. I'm often asked which other podcasts we're listening to, and one that I would totally recommend is The Rideshare Guy from Harry Campbell. Harry is a fascinating person who knows everything about the ride-hailing industry. He's not only been an Uber driver, he's probably the only one who's then also interviewed the Uber CEO, Dara, twice. He claims to have talked to more than 50,000 rideshare drivers in the last seven years, and I believe it. He knows everything about the industry, airing once a week as The Rideshare Guy. And now over to my conversation with Martinas from Trafi. Today, I'm with a real veteran from the new mobility space. Martinas from Trafi, welcome. Hey, how are you doing? Doing And your company is super interesting. Your background is super interesting. You already have a very long time now in new mobility. And so I'm super glad that you're here. The podcast is basically the little brother of the summit that we like to host in the fall as Wonder Mobility. And last fall, we, we couldn't because of the pandemic. And so you are one of the people that we would have loved to have on the stage then. Your company is super interesting, was for a longer time. And more and more, you are also really successful in the market. You're really like leading one important idea for, for new mobility. Can you talk a little bit about what your company does? What's the product that you have? Thanks, Gunnar, first of all, for inviting me. You know, I appreciate being here and having a chat, you know, and in this in this special circumstances, right, that we that we all live at the moment. So would be very happy to be on stage, you know, as you said, you know, in the summit. But uh, but you know, uh, we 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 are where we are. Yeah, the um, you know, not 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 really a veteran, I would say, first of all, but <laughs> you know, I can probably spend a bit more time in the industry to to be able to. They call me like that, but look, Traffy is a yeah, Traffy is an interesting company, and we started quite a lot of year ago because it was it was basically a hobby project which started by by my co-founder and 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 CTO, you know, Jurgis. He graduated from MIT in US, you know, and he basically came back to Lithuania and started to write the first routing algorithms, how to go from point A to point B, and those routing algorithms became a website. And that website became a journey planner, you know, and, and schedules for public transport sort of, you know, uh, um, web. And then it became one of the most popular websites in the country in general, in Lithuania. And, and after that, fast forward, you know, a couple of years from, from, from that website, we, Jurgis and myself, we were living in London and, uh, and Jurgis was doing PhD, you know, and finishing uh, the physics, you know, in PhD in string theory uh, as, as a hobby. And I was, <laughs> working, yeah, I was working at Immobi, which was uh, then back in the day, one of the largest mobile uh, advertising networks globally. And then we were hanging out, you know, and we were figuring, you know, what, what should we do with, with, with Traffy uh, and, and with that hobby project of ours. And we presented that to the venture capital guys, you know, in 2013, we raised the first seed round of investment and we relocated, we came back to Lithuania. Effectively, that was one of the requests from the venture capital folks who were in Lithuania and, and we started to build a team and we started to uh, basically craft the mobility as a service platform. We, we took us quite a bit of years to do that. You know, people think it's, you know, it's just an app or something, you know, that that's what you see. It's a tip of the iceberg, but it really took us quite a lot of years to build that to a world-class thing. 
What does your app do now for everybody who hasn't heard it or maybe knows it under a different name because you're also licensing the, the technology, but what does it do for an end consumer? What does it look like? Yeah, for the end consumer, it is a mobility as a service product that allows you to register once, you know, put your payment credentials once, and that's it. And then you can consume and use any type of transportation, which is in the platform integrated, you know, any type of mobility service provider. So, you know, from tears to voice, you know, and then limes and then birds of micromobility to, you know, car sharing, ride hailing and, 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 and all of the other things. And of course, including the backbone of every city transportation, which is a public transport. So, full suite of different transport modes under one roof in one platform with one account and with one, you know, single payment option. That's what gives you the frictionless experience and a very seamless experience to consume transportation in one place. So that's essentially what mobility as a service is, you know, and that's what we are providing either to our own users or either through our white label platform to the users of the um, products that we work with many cities around the world. You were one of the first mass aggregators to really build a product like that. And it's like conceptually for everybody who is interested in uh, new mobility, one of the very yeah, interesting aspects. We have a number of operators, we have public transport and so on. But who as a consumer really wants to have all of these on his phone, maybe go around from one to the other? Maybe if you had one key to access them all, that's conceptually very interesting. But then you basically also managed to partner with very some very big cities to launch this for them and maybe under a different name for the city. In Germany, very notably for Berlin and Munich, but you also have others and like very internationally now that uh, you're launching. Is this sort of the core of your business going towards cities? And we can imagine more and more cities would want to maybe put a wrapper around everything that's going on in their city and, and give them the technology? Or is that just one of many parts of your business to, to go after cities like that? Yeah, it's it's one of the main ones for sure. You know, it's it's a fundamental part of, of traffic, you know, and we call it traffic for cities internally. Mm -hmm. you know? so, so the white label platform is absolutely a, a fundamental part. However, it's not the only one because you can divide cities probably globally now into two different categories, you know, broadly speaking. There are cities who want to have white label offering and they want to operate that white label offering themselves. So they want to put mm -hmm. their brand on it. They want to, you know, have the city colors, you know, on it. They, they, they want to operate it, basically. And they're ready to pay money for it. They have budgets for it. They run through tendering processes. They do marketing and operations and customer support and, and, and everything what's needed to run a successful consumer-facing product. So, so there is a, that category of cities. And th those are usually big cities, you know, like with, with, with bigger budgets and more mobility service providers in their cities. But there are other category of cities that says, you know, we, um, we don't want to operate these products. You know, we don't necessarily have big budgets. Or even if we do have budgets, we are not certain we're going to be good at operating consumer-facing products as a transport authority. You know, that's not our core skill sets, if you will, or not our core know-how. And then they ask, you know, hey, Traffic, could you, could you come and launch in our city with your own branded solution? So you could think about these two categories as cities who want white label and operate it themselves and cities who doesn't want white label and they allow other private players to come and operate in their city. And they then open up, you know, the ticketing API. They work with mobility service providers to integrate with that offering. They do the regulation, you know, some sort of orchestration, you know, for, for mobility as a service. So yeah, I would put I would put you know this into 
those two categories and those both we serve. And then we have, of course, you know, a few other interesting business lines like technology licensing, for example. We do license our technology to companies like Google, for example, right, and others. And they are using our tech to enhance and to fine-tune the Google Maps product. What does it mean? It means like when you're using Google Maps and you do a route search or you check, you know, any type of related information with public transport in a number of a good number of cities globally, that goes through our platform and that goes, goes through our software, which is big editing software to make public transport information much better quality and higher quality and much more accurate than you would get directly from transport authority. So, so we are doing this thing, you know, too, with the global giants, you know, and then our technology is creating an impact, you know, for, you know, 50, 60 million people on a daily basis and through showing, you know, public transport information in a much better quality way. So we have so a couple are, of just different business lines, you know, which, which is mm -hmm. interesting. So you've built a technology layer that improves public transport data so that can be shown maybe in a city branded app, in your own branded app, or, you know, pushed to other tech players like Google Maps. And we mentioned in the beginning, of course, you're showing the different operators in a city. What's your relationship with these operators? Because maybe not all of them want to be shown in an aggregator. Maybe they want to prefer to push their own brand. But is it typically a setup that cities would mandate that they do this? Or is that on a, on a voluntary basis to come with you? Or is even the opposite true that they, they like to be shown here because it's maybe extra traffic? How does that relationship setting it up work? I think it's a little bit of everything, what you mentioned. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a mix. First of all, of course, you know, when city creates a mobility as a service offering, you know, with the help of our technology, they are the owners or they are the operators of the largest transportation service in the city, which is public transport. You know, you cannot find the larger and more important transportation provider than a public transport network in every city, right? I mean, which moves, you know, millions of people every day in the bigger cities on a daily basis. So every time, you know, city creates a mobility as a service offering, you know, on our platform, the public transport is a backbone of it. And then, you know, they go into the mobility service providers and they have a chat with them and they basically they discuss, hey, guys, do you want to be part of that? Because, you know, it's going to create tons of demand because we're going to make sure that this product is going to be official and a default transportation consumption product for the citizens of our city. So you guys, you know, integrate together with us and we, you know, make sure you're going to generate enough demand, you know, because you know already the numbers of people we're moving on a daily basis. We want to completely digitize this and we want that every single transaction, consumption, search, and any type of usage of transportation would go through our platform. And mobility as a service would basically be a, that, that, that citywide label platform would be a default product when you think about moving in that particular city. So that's a promise. That's, that's what city does. And then they discuss with MSPs, you know, and basically they, they all integrate together and they are very friendly, you know, absolute majority of MSPs, you know, are, are a great partners, you know, with cities, with us, you know, and they don't hesitate to, to integrate. Though there are a few that, as you said, you know, there are still keeping, you know, their user base very, very close to their chest. But I think this is a bit of a wrong sort of approach because it's not that they are losing that user base or it's not that they are losing the vision into what, you know, the people who are using their services through mobility as a services product 
would do and so on and so forth. There are technical ways how to solve that so that every single mobility service provider who is integrated with a mass platform would clearly know about those people and would clearly know about the, the users, of course, in a fully anonymized way, but what they do, how they use transportation, so they are not missing out of, 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 of anything. And lately, what we see as a, as a big trend that absolute majority of those mobility service providers really care about their fleet utilization. So they're really trying to optimize towards that, which not necessarily was the case about, you know, three, two years ago, but definitely going towards that direction. Are you taking a cut from these mobility service providers or are the cities that you're operating for, basically that you're hosting, taking a cut? Uh, we are not aware about the direct deal, you know, between mobility service provider and a city. That's, that's really their prerogative, you know, to, to strike a deal and to have any type of commercial offering between a city and mobility service provider. So, so we are not, you know, going into those discussions and being there. But um, when mobility service providers also integrate with Traffy as a platform, we never ask for any cut. We just want to provide as wide choice, you know, to our user base as possible, you know, through our own products, through the city products. So, so no, like short answer is no, we do mm -hmm. not take any cuts. And do you see some cities mandating that if you want to be an operator in my city, you now have to also list in my yeah, city mass platform or do you think that's uh, not happening we do see this increasingly you know being let's say discussed and and being on the table you know because when mobility service providers are entering the cities they need to obtain the license to operate usually in that city you know whereas if it's a micro mobility provider or, or a car sharing or a ride hailing uh, they need to get certain license or certain permission, you know, to, 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 to go into the city. So cities are, you know, looking into the ways how to, you know, make the integration into an official mobility as a service platform of the city a part of that grant or a license or a permit. Even though they never want to go with the stick model, you know, to say like, hey, you absolutely need to integrate or we're going to throw you out. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's not what's happening. You know, we, we, we see a lot of friendly discussions and a lot of very collaborative approach, very constructive discussions. And I haven't seen that cities really need to, to go into that direction of threatening, you know, somebody that we're going to revoke the license or something. But we all know they have this card in, under, you know, in their pockets. So, so if, they, if they want to use it, they can use it. Well, so far, we, we haven't seen this being used a lot, but we've seen those discussions happening. Yeah, very interesting. I think in the case of Airbnb, when they had their relationships with, with cities, they were kind of very mixed and sometimes seen critically. And they're like describing now how, as a result of the pandemic, a lot of cities have changed their attitude a lot because on the one hand, now they want extra tourism, but also they have their budgets so strained that now they are more and more approaching Airbnb to strike the deals to collect also some taxes, some local taxes. Now, you mentioned basically that something has shifted in mobility service providers definitely want the utilization of their fleets up. So any additional traffic is good traffic at the moment. What else do you think maybe has changed as a result of the pandemic when it comes to your business model or your product? Is there any acceleration or change because of that? 
Yeah, we 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 absolutely seen the acceleration. You know, even during the COVID year in 2020, we managed to grow our revenue revenues about 80 percent year on year. You know, versus 2019. So you know, we were very you know grateful and, and humble in that situation. You know, looking all over the overall you know market conditions and what was happening, we saw a very sizable increase in the new tenders for mobility as a service this quarter in Q1 as well as last quarter in Q4 versus a year ago. And I think that's um, that's a mix of reasons for that. You know, First of all, also cities woke up after COVID seeing that if we as a city want to steer the behavior of our people when we need that, when some of the things like pandemic happens, we do need a digital platform to do that. We do need to have a tools you know, and, and, and means to do that. And they like woke up and felt like we we don't. Usually there are 95% of cities that doesn't have any of these platforms that are transactional, that are, you know, mobility as a service that with a bunch of providers integrated because they wanted the first responders, the medical workers, other people that need to go to work being, you know, com- like they wanted to provide the mobility credits maybe or mobility budgets for for these people you know to go to work you know maybe free of charge as a part of motivation from the city or giving them a huge discount you know if they need to work and commute to work during the pandemic times or they wanted to switch people you know in the very first days of pandemic when when everything was like still very hard we didn't know what's going to happen the cities wanted to switch people maybe from public transportation and huge crowd that you know buses to maybe a single occupancy uh, shared mobility modes but to do that, to incentivize all of this, to, to kind of try to steer and change the behavior, you need to have mobility as a service platform. You know, you need to have this digital mean to do that. Otherwise, you can't. And that was a, quite a bit of reasons that cities, you know, approached to us and and told us that hey, we we really want to we really want to have this now. You know, we we saw the success of not only other cities having deployed mobility as a service deployments, like you know Berlin, for example, which is a northern star in, in, in the whole mass world, but also but also others, plus pandemic, plus uh, a, a mix of those reasons, plus lots of cities started to invest in infrastructure and do a bike lanes, you know, cycling paths. They really started to invest in that as part of pandemic, you know, and not only temporary but for good. Increased choices of transportation in general led to a situation where we really see now mobility as a service picking up. And last but not definitely least reason is the general sustainable movement and and, and the way the people travel. You know, it absolutely is on the very high on the agenda of every mayor in almost every city, virtually at least in Europe, to figure out how the people in my city can travel in a sustainable way. So how to promote shared mobility rather than your own private vehicles? And, and, and that's one of the also biggest reasons. So it sounds like cities are using your mass platform to drive policy goals, maybe by just having a mass platform at all, first of all, so you can like more easily discover new choices and switch between operators. But do you also see some customization and that maybe... Are there examples of cities that would say, whatever converts best, that's fine. But I want, for example, bikes to be always shown on top. So I always want the bike option first or something. I don't, or or show the cars or the ride hailing at the bottom, please. Do you have requests like that where cities really want to influence behavior by positioning? And then do you have to customize between cities based on what they want to drive? Mm-hmm. 
we not only uh, have the request for that, we build tools to enable them to do that, you know, in-house so that we don't need to, you know, go and fine-tune the algorithms, you know, in every city. So we have a, you know, we call it a routing configurator, right? I mean, that uh, that cities can, you know, apply weights of modes, you know, and, and types and, and, and providers and whatnot. And if they want to have a week without a private car and let's say, or a month of cycling, right? So they show that cycling options or, 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 or biking options or micromobility options or, or whatever other things, you know, or even walking, you know, always in the first place, because that's the most healthiest and, you know, mm-hmm. carbon neutral way to travel. It's, it's actually walking. So absolutely, that's what's, what's happening. And, and we see that. And, uh, and, and again, not only see we build tools to enable cities to do that, you know, in a very easy manner, uh, if they want to, to customize the routing results, you know, uh, for them. Yeah. That's very fascinating. Very direct and probably yeah, efficient kind of low-cost way for cities to you know, introduce or highlight certain options or maybe new. Yeah, but, but you're right. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that it goes into a funnel in a way, as you said. You know, first of all, they want just to try mobility as a service platform because it's a mm-hmm. still a new thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's not something that's been around for years and years, right? I mean, it's still innovation. It's still, it's still very, very few cities around the world has a real mobility as a service deployment, you know, with yeah. lots of integrations, with the true one account, you know, framework, with the, you know, multiple payments framework and a very frictionless experience, you know, for the What's user. What's your guess, maybe, by the way, I, I think you, you know this much better than like our mm-hmm. listeners, but let's say only in Europe, for example, how many, um, so there are 600 cities with more than 100,000 inhabitants. Maybe that's even too low. We're only targeting really big cities, but how many cities across Europe even have something like this at this point? Yeah, I, I wouldn't tell you like exact, exact number, but, you mm. know, approximately to, to the best of the knowledge that we have, you know, recently, there are maximum 15 cities that has, you know, some sort of a more real mobility as a service offering, you know, yeah, some wow. of that super piloting early. stuff. Uh, yeah, it's super early. And then, you know, we, we are happy to be the pioneers here and having the largest amount of those cities mm only in Europe, but globally too, if you would think about the amount of deployments that all mobility as a service, you know, products and then providers have, uh, traffic is number one globally now, you know, based on, based on the uh, deployments. So yeah, it's, it's, it's still early days and it goes through the funnel of discovery, goes through the funnel of providing an optionality to their own people, to their own mm-hmm. citizens, because if you want to get rid of the private cars and if you want to get rid of the, jam, you know, traffic jams and you want to make the city more livable, greener, more sustainable. You need to work in both directions. You need to, you know, taxate maybe a car ownership or, or, or entering the city centers more and so on so that it's not the best option. But on the other hand, you need to create alternatives for all those people who have cars, right? I mean, they just can't throw their cars away. And if the city doesn't provide as, a, as an institution, it doesn't provide, you know, any alternative, great, seamless options. So mobility as a service is those uh, those alternatives. That That's a tool to bring optionality and to bring shared mobility to the masses. And after they do that, they're going into the next stage, as you say, starting to steer the behavior, starting to change that behavior, and maybe even customizing the results that people see and, and pushing more people to use even more climate neutral ways within the shared mobility environment, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so, so it's a very interesting path what's happening that we see, but this is still early stage, you know, baby steps in there. But super oh. fascinating what's, what's waiting, you know, for us in the next five years. Yeah. How do you see your own business model evolving? Because when you do licensing for cities, I think that it's yeah probably very 
attractive in the beginning. Tenders could be interesting amounts, but then maybe they don't scale that extremely. It's hard to imagine a city paying eventually, you know, really large amounts in licensing fees. Probably it's not so like per transaction driven or so. Is there something that you can already share about maybe yeah, stages that you're going to go through or how, how this is going to work out for you when you provide this much value to, you mentioned 50, 60 million people kind of indirectly at least touch this data yeah. on a daily basis? So, so the beauty of traffic platform, holistically speaking, is that, again, we are not only working with cities, right? We are working with the big technology providers, you know, and, and, and we have a different business model for different business lines, if you will, you know. So for the cities, yeah, it is a software as a service, you know, licensing fees at the moment. And I think it's going to stay there for, for some time, you know, that's what cities are used to, that's what they like, you know. Public institutions, as you may be very well aware, they don't like very new, innovative things, you know. They're not feeling comfortable necessarily with that. So they, they, they like what they know, where they're comfortable in, and, and we're trying to adapt a little bit towards that. But also, on the other hand, we're looking into a new business model. And for example, you know, cities and citizens are super interesting, super important, but what about corporates? What about businesses? You know, this is the this is the 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 segment that is really keen in you know using mobility as a service for their own employees, you know, commuting for their own employees business traveling. So we having uh, in the last couple of months such a big inbound of requests from from big corporates, bigger and smaller ones, you know, like really wide uh, array uh, of that. How can we, as a corporate, you know, decrease our uh, our carbon footprint? And there are multiple ways to do that. But when you drill down, you know, and dig deeper, there are some of the ways that are bigger than the others. And transportation is absolutely one of the top things that that commuting and business traveling that really adds up to that, you know, carbon footprint of of every businesses that uh, that that are life, you know. So the question is, how can they offset this? And if their people are usually commuting with their own cars, you know, to work, or they even have corporate cars, you know, and some more traditional ways of, of using, you know, transportation, they want to change that, they want to steer the behavior, and they need a product for that. And mobility as a service is a perfect, perfect product. You know, if you can also adjust, you know, some of the functionalities that you can give corporates ability to manage allowances, mobility budgets, some credits, some incentives, you know, that if my employee is using a, a greener way of transportation, a more climate neutral way of, of mobility service provider, I might incentivize him or her, you know, to do that even more as of they might not only use it for the business purposes or commuting, but also for their own personal stuff to go over the weekend, you know, if they really trying to change that behavior. Are you launching a mobility budget, basically? Correct. It's not only mobility budget, it's just one type of thing there. So we're launching yeah. a complete traffic for business suit for, you know, right. smaller, medium-sized businesses, as well as the large corporates very, very soon. And, and, and it's going to be live in the multiple, multiple locations across, across Europe and across the world. That's super exciting. And is it going to focus on the daily commute or also trying to cover business travel when Both. people business Both. travel and yeah. then ideally extend into also private usage for these employees? Correct, because you know, really, corporates and especially the big ones, which has a impact, and and they employ you know really thousands and tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, they have enormous impact, you know, for for the whole climate change and carbon neutrality topic, and and they started you know 
to really act. And, and they started to really put the money where their mouth is. And this is super exciting because they can influence, you know, commuting, which is every day and really, you know, produces a tons of emissions. They can influence the business traveling, which is happening on the ground in the city or between cities, because we, we're not tackling, you know, air travel or, 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 you know, long-term, long-haul, you know, business travel, but what's happening within the urban area with you. And then, you, as you very rightly said, Everything what you're using, you know, and if you're using it in a nice way that's being said by the car corporate as a, as a policy and, and you're doing it well, they might even incentivize you to and give some credits to use for your personal needs. So this is super, super exciting. And corporates are seeing themselves as a very interesting stakeholder in offsetting those emissions and, and being a driving force, you know, to, to do that. And imagine the biggest corporates will start doing that. It, what what the effect they will create, you know, for for every one of us. So it's it's a super exciting, you know, opportunity in front of us. Is the more important pain point for these corporate clients CO two footprint or cost reductions? Which I mean, I think it's not a bad thing either or, and maybe it's both driving into it. But I would imagine that just the the times that we're in and that companies are in, maybe even. Cost is the primary focus, or, or am I wrong in that? We we do not see that much, you know, as cost would be a primary driver, you know, in these decisions. We absolutely see the CO2 emission footprint, you know, as a primary cost. We see corporates having it very high on their board meeting agenda, like, what have I done as a business, as a corporate in the last quarter or a couple of quarters to offset my emissions? What are the exact things that we've done? You know, one thing is just to buy a green credits or something, you know, mm-hmm. if you have money. <laughs> And sort of yeah. say that I'm upsetting, you know, yeah. and, and that's about it. But it, it becomes really a, 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 a topic of we need to do it genuinely and we, need to, and we need to act, you know. We need to start changing the way we do things, you know, on a normal basis and, and in the normal occasions. And, and that's what's happening. So, so it's less about the cost saving. At least that's what we see. More about a CO2 footprint as well as energy footprint. So it's not only about, hey, just going from, you know, fossil fuel, you know, things and or, or or combustion engines into electric engines, but also looking into what is the energy footprint? You know, do I need, you know, to spend a, a, a much energy to commute? Can I have a m- sort of a lower energy ways of, of using transportation? So it's a mix of, of mm. that. Is Trafi for Business going to be a transaction-based model for you then somehow or also we, kind we, of a licensing model yeah. for cities? For, hmm? Yeah, we, we're gonna we're gonna see that we uh, we are you know experimenting with the business model as it's a new thing you know still uh, for us so it's 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 yet to be seen where we're going to land you know with the with the right business model we, we're definitely gonna experiment you know in the different angles and we'll see what's good for us what's good for corporates you know so that we all have the right incentive you know us corporates and people that are using it that's a very cool interesting evolution you're probably very well positioned to have a good product there. Is that something you were already planning like some years ago? And that's like kind of sometimes you hear, you read like a Tesla blog and they say, okay, this is the plan for the next 10 years, step, step, step. And then you're wondering if that really exists or just was given to you also partially in hindsight. But was this like a plan from the beginning or something that kind of you are bringing about after conversations in the market and so on, this idea kind of evolved step by step based on the reactions that you got? It, it evolved. You know, I can't say like, hey, we were like super visionary, you know, yeah. when we saw this five years ago coming. No, you know, we, we, we did not. But 
where we started to see it coming when we started to work a lot with cities and we started to generate, you know, the, the, the mobility as a service platform, you know, in the multiple cities. And, and that became super interesting for the, for the people to use for their personal usage. And it was, you know, really picked up by corporates and saying, hey, if it's really interesting and, 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 and very seamless, you know, for the people, how can I bring this to my own employees and how can I steer this and, and create some sort of incentives, plans, you know, and, and budgets and, and, and whatnot. Because also people inside these corporates, especially the younger generation, is asking, why do I need to use only one preferred mode that companies strike the deal with if I can use potentially any type of transportation to go to my meeting or to commute to my, to my, to my home, you know? I, I might even use public transportation, you know, if, if, if that makes sense, you know, to some extent. I might want to use micromobility. I might want to use ride-hailing when it's also needed. I might want to take a car-sharing vehicle. I want to have a choice, you know. I want to have a choice and I want my employer to have a partner and a platform that enables that choice, which is seamless for me as an employee. I don't need to collect receipts. I don't need to do any of that from different providers. And I don't need to have, you know, 20 different apps on my phone. I just need to have one and I can consume everything for that one. Whereas on the employer side, I need one invoice per month for all of my employees traveling and commuting, you know, with different modes of transportation. And I want to be able to set the programs, plans, incentives, and steer the behavior, you know, to offset the carbon footprint. So, so that that came very naturally as an evolution of our mobility as a service white label product. And uh, and you know, working with cities also and being number one in this game, you know, also gives us a bit of an unfair advantage, you know, to to go into that direction and really sets us into a pole position for the corporate and traffic for business future as well. Very fascinating. The whole area of new mobility, you are a leader in it, providing technology to others, licensing for cities, the whole role of cities that you're also facilitating and driving and now activating businesses into this as well to give their employees more choice and maybe be more proactive about how they travel and, and what their carbon footprint is. Super cool. Thank you for sharing all these insights into what you've already built and what's about to come. That's super fascinating, super interesting. Thanks a lot. No, my pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for inviting and, you know, happy, happy to be here. And by the way, one question I guys have, you know, to you, I, I saw you started to not only provide, you know, the software, the fleet management and, 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 and everything that you guys do, but also vehicles sort of, you know, and, and, and wonder, wonder basically vehicle. Can you tell me a little bit about that part, which is fascinating? Makes uh, makes me think again about was this the great plan from the beginning or just a reaction? Because that's how it came about. Also, as a reaction, when uh -huh. you are providing technology to operators of shared mobility, the problems typically don't come from the software, but actually from the hardware or interaction software and hardware. So mm -hmm. we were basically advising operators a lot on which vehicles to probably choose, which mopeds, which kick scooters, what's an e-bike I can rely on, and so. At a, as a first step year and a half ago, we were just building a catalog basically and saying, these are the ones we recommend. And then going to manufacturers saying, by the way, I buy a lot of these now. So maybe we should enter into like a distribution partnership. But then we went a step further and we now have a hardware team in-house and we have co-development partnerships with some manufacturers where we say, I take your vehicle and then please make these and these and these modifications, what I can what I've learned from my operator clients, and then I will distribute this vehicle into the market. And so we now have a subsidiary, basically, which is called Wunder Vehicles, 
with mm -hmm. its own team, own P&L and so on, who is entering into development partnerships with manufacturers to improve vehicles for the sharing case. So it's, it's easier to operate uh, longer lasting, longer lifetimes, and then distributing those. And we think that we basically influence 70, 80% of the vehicle choices of, of our operator clients. Typically, they're not necessarily super tied to having one brand. It's, it's a lot about metrics and performance. So if you can point out a vehicle that's more durable or easier to operate, then they're very interested in switching there. So we've extended the software business now also one of the vehicles. And then a third piece in this that's also another evolution afterwards is then financial services. There's mm -hmm. a subsidiary called Wunder Financial Service. So you can, as an operator, just take the software or we might recommend a vehicle. And if you want, we also finance this. So you can basically get it either on a monthly basis or even in a re revenue share setup. Gotcha. So you guys going into a more of a vertical integrated way of providing a full area of services, you know, from software to hardware to even financial ones. That, that's, that's super interesting. Idea is that in the value chain for shared mobility afterwards, so after the vehicle software, the financing, it's operations and marketing. And that for a lot of operators, this is where they can really differentiate on the operations and marketing and that it makes sense to use a platform to procure vehicles and software. Yeah, And it was yeah, kind of a reaction to the market, always going with what are they talking about? What is the pain point? And can we potentially organize this better in a platform way rather than each operator going to China maybe and testing all the vehicles and then trying to negotiate about them. It's going to be easier for us to do that for like dozens of, of operators as one provider. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. Super interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. I hope that, I mean, our plan is to have the summit this fall. I think either we're vac vaccinated or we're going to test everybody every day, but I hope that we are going to be able to do it. And you also course invited would uh, love to see you there hope that we see each other in the fall in hamburg yeah i would love to be there <laughs> absolutely cool sounds good thanks a lot yeah cheers thank you guys talk to you soon bye bye